Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. that. We're looking at this idea that our, our, lives are, our lives are a picture. Our lives are uh, a picture of, of what God has in store for us, this promise, this purpose, this, this vision that is, uh, that's, that's coming. And we're using the, this uh, particular section of Romans chapter 8 to, to unpack that. So just for a refresher, I know we've been through it a couple of times. I'm going to read the first couple of verses from Romans chapter 8, and I'll read in the New Living Translation. I will use the New King, Chim- New King James Translation at some point. I don't know when. Uh, it, it'll come in there. It'll surprise me as much as you. But uh, I'm just warning you, it's in there. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 8 starts, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I'm going to read that one more time because I just want to look at those, just going to take those two verses as a recap. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It's awesome. And this evening, I want to look specifically at two verses further on in the same chapter. So we'll jump there now as well. Romans chapter 8, still in there, verses 10 and 11. And this is the stuff I want to unpack this evening. And and there's so much good, good stuff in this. Chapter 10 starts, And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. And then verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Some really interesting stuff in there. It'd be really, really good to unpack. So my, uh, my sermon title for this evening is Larger Life. And... I was really happy when I saw that was the title that I was, uh, I was preaching on this evening because I think as subject titles go, I don't think it could be much easier or much better. I think there's loads in that. Like, I think if you, you could take two, those two words and you get a really, really good picture of the Bible's message of God's heart for you in just those two words. Larger life. That's the, that's if you, if you're to, okay, that's not the only way. I, I thought about this so many different like times of how you could just compress the message of the Bible down to just two simple words. And I, I don't think this fully encapsulates it <laughs> as if two words could, but I think you really get a picture of what God is intending in this larger life. We see it from Jesus' own mouth in a really, really famous verse in John 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, but not just any old life. I've come that you might have life and life in all fullness, life in abundance, a larger life, if you like. And that's like, that's the message of the gospel in a nutshell, that God loved us so much that he he saw us separated from him living in a small world, living in our restrictions, our limitations, our lack. And he said, no, I've got a larger life for you than that. 
I've got a larger life. I've got more in store than you can even imagine. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to put myself in that situation and make it right. And we see that through the Bible as Jesus lived and died and rose again, as Brian said uh, in Takeover just now, how Jesus paid that price for us, that we could have life in all fullness, life abundant, life to the max, as the message version puts it. So like, I don't think it's particularly contentious to say that I think we all would like a larger life. Like that's not, I don't think I'm going to lose anybody at that point. I think we're all on board. I can't imagine someone, uh, no thanks. Uh, feel like I've got a big enough life already. Thank you very much. Uh, if you could make my life a bit smaller, that'd be fine. No, I think we're all on board. You know, we're all okay with this idea of uh, a larger life. I think, you know, that's why you look out into society, you look out to, to the, the kind of world around us. So many people you play the lottery, for example, that, that dream of a larger life, that dream of something more. And even if you don't play the lottery, I will allow you 10 seconds indulgence right now just to think, you know, what would I do if I won 108 million on the, like the Euro millions or whatever? You know, you can pause and just go off into your own little world for a couple of seconds and then come back to me and that'd be good. It's an indulgence. I have... <laughs> I remember this really funny. Uh, I, re- I remember this really funny comedy sketch I saw years and years ago by uh, the comedian Jack D, and he was talking about how well married couples argue, and, <laughs> which which sounds like a segue, but it makes sense in the context of this. He was talking about this co- conversation he'd overheard with this married couple, and they were talking about how they would spend their money if they won the lottery, and he was laughing about it, and he, he was just like. The, the wife was getting all bent out of shape and, the, and then the husband was getting like even more frustrated with how they were hypothetically spending their money. The, the, the husband was like, look, I'm just saying 10,000 pounds is too much to give to your cousin. <laughs> yeah, they can argue about hypothetical things. But this idea of a larger life, I think we're, we're on board with that. It's also why, you know, we, we love to escape into movies, you know, go to the cinema or, or put the TV on or pick up a book or even like video games these days as well. You know, I was looking at this, like I, I kind of try, I try to follow the technology trends and see what's, what's happening and what's coming up. And I find it very interesting. It kind of has a little bit to do with my job, but not really. It's more just kind of because I'm interested. But um, like Google's just released a new update to their software platform, which includes virtual reality uh, program called Google Daydream. And uh, it's, it's, it's a real big deal. The idea of virtual reality is this whole step further about this idea of a larger life. Uh, Facebook, for example, spent $2 billion buying a company called Oculus who make virtual reality uh, like glasses or goggles, if you like. They make that, uh, that's Zuckerberg making this bet on what's coming next. And, and they're tapping into that knowledge that we like to escape into things as humans. We like the idea of that escapism and, and, and that virtual reality really taps into that. But, you know, surprise, surprise, that the promise of the Bible, when the Bible talks about a larger life, when the Bible talks about having life and life in the fullness, it's not talking about winning the Euro millions. It's not talking about yet another flipping superhero movie. Like, it's not talking about that. It's, it's so much more. You know, it's so much bigger than that. You know, the promise of Jesus is life. And as Chaz said this morning, 
it's almost like the word life falls so far short of what it actually means. Yeah. That, that word unpacked means like a, com- a completeness, a wholeness. Not just scraping through life, but a life like full. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't, I can't almost put it into words. We don't have it, a word for it in the English. That idea of completeness, yeah. a life complete. I'm going to read verse 10 and 11 again to you from Romans chapter 8. Just look at how many times you use that word life or live. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. It's amazing. You know what? Just We're not just talking about any life. We're not just talking about, you know, I, I love, um, like, we've been looking at Bear Grylls a lot because Bear Grylls is in the, doing the Alpha series, this new revamped Alpha series, which we're running in the church, which has been really, really fun, really exciting. I remember a quote from Bear Grylls about talking about his, uh, talking about how he's, his death and how he wanted to go out. And he basically says, like, he's like, if I'm going to die, I want it to be sliding sideways, like, two feet forward, straight into the gates of heaven. Like, I want to be going, like, like a rocket. And I can't remember the exact, the exact phrase, but he talks about living a life so full that he comes into heaven, sliding sideways, like, <laughs> kicking the gates of heaven down because he's coming in so fast. And I'm like, yes, that's, that, that's the kind of life that we need to hook into. He's not talking about just... <laughs> scraping by, you know, just muddling by and hoping he, hoping he, he makes it to the end. Yeah. And if you think about these, this, this, this whole chapter, there's so much in it. There's so much that we can unpack from that. But Paul has actually a really tough job writing this, this, this letter because he's writing to a church that comes from very different places within the church. So he's writing to the church in Rome or the churches in Rome, this kind of collective of Christians in Rome. And Rome, as a major kind of cosmopolitan city of its day, it was a a real mix. It was a mix of Christians who were of Jewish descent and then also Christians who were Gentiles, who were were not from Jewish descent. And they were coming together and there was this kind of tension of how they were supposed to live. And there were these frustrations coming up from the Jewish Christians that the the Gentile Christians weren't following the Jewish law. And then there were these frustrations from the Gentile Christians that the, 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 the Jews were almost kind of seeming like they were better than them. And, and the Gentiles actually thought they were better than the Jewish Christians because uh, the, the Jews had missed that. They were no longer God's chosen people. There was this kind of idea going around. And Paul has to write into the situation and try and bring this, bring this kind of point together. Yeah. And so Paul writes to remind them of the new life. He says it so many times in that, in throughout that whole chapter. He's talking about that new life, encouraging them and reminding them that it's not about where they were. It's not about whatever their history was. It doesn't matter whether their birth certificate said Jew or Greek or whatever. He's reminding them that there is a new life given by the Holy Spirit. I love that... I love how much the Bible reminds people to do things like it doesn't just say something once and move on like so often through the bible through the old testament through the new testament we are reminded and people in the bible are reminded you see great examples where god speaks again and again because we just 
don't get it always. You know, we don't always get it the first time around. And, and Paul's writing to remind these Christians what they've already heard, but haven't quite, hasn't quite sunk in yet. It's not quite affecting, uh, not quite affecting them. You know, God goes to great lengths to make sure we get it. He doesn't just say, look, I've told you once, if you don't get it now, then fine. You know, stuff you as I'm off. That idea of being reminded is really, really important. It, I, I think it's in, the, there's a verse in Second Peter where Peter actually says, like, I know I've already told you this stuff before, but it's good to go over it again. It's good to talk about it again. It's good to say it again yeah. because... It's good to be reminded of this good stuff. And so when I'm talking about this idea of a larger life, I don't think, maybe this, is your, maybe this is your first time hearing that. Maybe this is your first time hearing that God has a plan for you to live a life larger than you're living in right now. But if you've heard that before, don't hate on me. You know, it's good to be reminded of these things. It's good to get, good to get encouraged. It's good to get built back up. It's good to hear it again and get refreshed. I want to give an example from my kind of a recent thing in my life. Some of you will know that I've started going to the gym recently. That's quite a new thing for me. I've never really been uh, a gym goer previously. And, uh, and part of this stuff is new exercises and it's like the, the proper like barbell work. It's what they call it, like barbell. None of this like fancy machinery. It's just a piece of metal on the ground and you've got to pick it up. Like, it's like, it's as old fashioned as it comes. <laughs> um, uh, and it's, it's funny, like we go through every, every kind of class, there'll be um, these kind of what they call a, a technical session where we go over a movement that we have to learn and that will often be included in the workout later on in the, in the class. And, um, and one of the key things, like whatever the lift is, I'm noting this as, as a relative newbie, um, whether it's like doing a particular type of uh, deadlift or a squat, keeping your head up and your chest up is a really important thing about... about lifting weights it's very very important to keep your chest up keep your head up and and when we're going through these kind of technical things there'll be no weight on the bar in fact most of the time we're actually using a pvc pipe like 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 just a thin thin like drainage pipe that's been cut and that's that's a kind of mock barbell because you don't want any weight on it at all just going through the motions so you get that kind of muscle memory you get that feel of what it's supposed to do and i remember like the coach will say to me neil chest up neil head up higher higher and you're like what how how high is this perform off the ground <laughs> like i can only do so much and then we go into the actual workout like maybe something like five minutes later or 10 minutes later at most and we go into it and suddenly there's a bit of weight on the bar and the words which i've just heard minutes previously are already kind of gone from my head and i and and my uh, my chest starts to dip my head starts to dip and i hear the coach again neil chest up I've just been told it. Like, I've literally just been told to do that, and I'm already forgetting it. I'm already lost it a little bit. I've already kind of, like, put it out of my head. It's funny, isn't it? Why? Why is it now, when I've just heard it a couple of minutes before? Well, I guess there's a few reasons. You know, now there's weight on my back. You know, now there's, now there's pressure. Now I'm tired. Now I've, I've, got to, I've got to get it done and I'm just trying to get it done however way I can. I'm not thinking about the best way. And I need that reminder from the coach because I don't quite get it yet. It hasn't sunk in. It's not second nature to me. 
And I think this is so good. This speaks so much of why God takes the time and the effort and the heart to remind us of things. Because he knows we need it. If I, if I, if I keep going, forgetting the actual correct way to lift a, a barbell, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to do myself some injury. I'm, I'm going to limit my potential to grow. And I'm also potentially going to do the opposite. I'm actually going to cause myself some damage. And you know, it's actually the same with life. You know, we can hear about God's promise for our lives on a Sunday. And we can learn about how we're called to live a larger life. But then, you know, sometimes, sometimes the weight of the week starts to sit on our back. Yeah. And, you know, our head starts to drop or the chest starts to go. The pressure or the, or the just, just doing life, that, that kind of routine, or it hasn't quite sunk in yet and we can start to forget and just dip. And God comes in and he's like, pick your head up. Lift it. Come on. Don't stop. Don't stop. Look up. Keep your chest up. Pick your head up. Keep going. All these words I hear from my coach, I'm so reminded about God speaking into my life. I'm so reminded about how God asks us, like encourages us, equips us, and then reassures us and reminds us to pick it up. Keep going. Come on. You've got this. God's there in all of it. God's there in all of it. Sleeves rolled up, want to get stuck in. It's it's such a good example, such a good picture of God's heart for us. And you know, it doesn't matter where you are on that journey. I think that idea of a larger life and being reminded to get, keep your head up, keep your chest up. It's so, it's so good for us wherever we are at in our journey. You know, we often refer to the, our walk with God as a journey. And I think it's such an apt example, such a, such a great term to use because it's a progression. It's not just something binary. It is, there's a moment of re- that revelation of I've made my commitment to Jesus. I've, I've said, God, I need you in my life. And I've gone from immediately gone from darkness to light. But then there's the rest of my life of walking out that progression, walking out that journey and that adventure with God. You know, it's a, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're just starting off on that journey or whether you're, just, you're, you're progressing through, you're well-established in your walk with God. It's great to be reminded. And the Bible gives us lots of great examples about people in those situations. I'm going to take two examples from the Israelites leaving Egypt. The first one is in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 3. Here we've got the Israelites moaning. It happens a lot. That that doesn't really narrow down much of the Old Testament, to be honest with you. That gives you quite a lot to look at. So here we've got the Israelites moaning in verse 3. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Oh, what what just a terrible opening statement. If only I was dead. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. I think that should have been reversed. Why are you sitting around pots and eating the? Why are you sitting around pots of meat and eating the bread? Yeah. Sit around pots of bread and eat the meat. Yeah. Like don't don't like sit around just watching a pot of meat and eating the bread. That's that's what they do at these buffet restaurants. They try and fill you up on bread so you don't eat as much meat. It's so it's so true. They get you every time. <laughs> But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Their head's down. Their chest is dropped. 
They've lost sight of what they're actually doing. They've lost sight of where they've come from. To give a bit of context, chapter 14 of Exodus is the parting of the Red Sea. Chapter 15 is almost entirely devoted to a song of deliverance. It's a praise and declaration for all the good stuff that God has done. And then the the last quarter of chapter 15 is God uh, turning the salty salty pool, pool, the bitter water, to sweet water to allow them to drink. This is what they've just been through. They've been through the Red Sea. They've sang a song of deliverance. They've had a a, a water, um, water... miraculously turned to be drinkable for them to to then have water to drink and now they're going if only we had died back in Egypt like how quickly have they just lost sight or just let their let their let their head droop let their chest just go down but even in the like to give an an example of someone who is well established again a a, quite a well-known verse in Joshua chapter 13 verse 1 this is the end the other end of the Israelite story where the Israelites have crossed the Jordan they've gone into the promised land they are in the land that God has given to them and they have conquered nation after nation to claim this land and it starts when Joshua was an old man the Lord said to him you're growing old and much land remains to be conquered can see here it's not as whiny as the first example joshua is not going woe is me woe is me but god's saying come on joshua you're you're doing good keep your chest up keep your head up there's still more to do there's still more to go there's still more that i've got in store for you to live a larger life Joshua is encouraged because there were more land. It's, it's, a, it's such a great picture of God's heart. You know, God's actually, Joshua, was, Joshua was, was happy. He had a portion of land. He was settled, he was settled and he was on, in old age. But God's like, no, come on, I've got more. I know you're happy right now. I know you're settled right now, but come on, there's more. I've got a larger life for you than this. Pick your head up, keep going keep pressing and that that's the kind of point that galvanizes joshua he divvies up the land and then gets the people together and sends them out and says look these bits of land still haven't been taken yet go work out which ones you you want to take and we're going to have it because this is our land this is the land that god has promised us this is the life the larger life that is in store for us you know verse 11 in this um back in romans chapter 8 talks about the holy spirit and it's it's the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead that lives in us. That's something which is shocking to someone who maybe hasn't heard it before. And so I hope it isn't dulled to us who have heard it often. Yeah. The, the impact and the importance of that statement is is huge that the Holy Spirit is there. It's, it's actually the life-giving spirit. That's how the, uh, Paul refers to the Holy Spirit there. The life-giving spirit. It's that spirit which is giving us that larger life. It's, it's encouraging us. It's speaking into us. It's, it's, it's drawing out of us that larger life. You know, life God breathed with vision, with purpose. You know, I was thinking of a few ways of describing what a larger life is. A larger life is, is equipped. A larger life is a life empowered. A larger life is a life overflowing. 
A larger life is a life awake. A larger life is a life on fire. A larger life is a life set free. A larger life is a life setting others free. A larger life is a life that makes difference in this world. You know, there's this bigger picture out there that God has in store for us, this larger life. And I guarantee just in spending time with God, you know why You know why it's so amazing when we gather here and we connect in worship? Like that last song where it just lifts because there's this point where that, that God's speaking into you by the Holy Spirit saying, come on, pick your head up. And when you lift your head, when we lift our head as a congregation, when we pick our chest up as a congregation, we're like, oh, wow. Our God has done great things. Our God is greater than all. You know, when you start to sing that out and you start to lift your head up and you're like, what was I? I'm worrying about what to cook for dinner tomorrow. I'm worried about what I'm going to do at work. I'm worried about emails. I'm worried about all this small stuff. And then I'm like, oh, wow. Something Kayla says, like Kayla says all the time when she sees something exciting. I love it. Oh, wow. (laughs) But I I get it. You know, like, oh, wow. When you lift your head and you lift your chest and you're like, that's what I'm supposed to be looking at. That's the picture that God has for me. That's the life that I've been called to live. That's so much more than what I thought I was living in. I'm I'm going to give you a C.S. Lewis quote here, which... Is, is, it challenged me when I read it, and I, I love it. C.S. Lewis is such an amazing, amazing theologian. He comes out with some of the most profound stuff. He wrote, you know, it's coming on 100 years ago now, maybe not quite that much, like 80 years, but it's still uh, a fair while ago, but his words still cut so, so much through uh, society today. He speaks not about us as Christians, just humans in general. He says, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot even imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the seaside. We're too easily pleased. Infinite joy is offered to us. We can't even imagine what that means. Like the price that Jesus paid was not for us to live small lives. It was not for us to live restricted. It wasn't for us to live in, uh, in lack. It was that life that Chaz was talking about this, this morning, that, that Zoe life, that fullness, completeness. You know, the, um, the, the Jewish... The Hebrew word shalom, that word for peace, can also be translated as nothing missing, nothing broken. And I love that picture of that, that kind of fullness, that, that fullness that God has in store for us. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what Jesus came to live and die that we might have. You know, I don't want that, I don't want that C.S. Lewis quote to be, to be a negative thing. I don't want that to be depressing. It's encouraging it should, it should lift your head. It should lift your heart. Because God's picture for your life is huge. God's picture, God's plan, God's purpose is for infinite joy. And um, it's offered to us through Jesus Christ. So when God reminds you tomorrow or the next day 
or the next day to pick your head up, pick your chest up. Remember, he's encouraging you to step out into something bigger. He's got a larger life in store. We're called to live in more. We're called to not just, not just for selfish gain, but to change this world. You know, we need to be equipped in order to bring that change. That's why, that's why I think a larger life is a life that makes a difference. You know, it's not just so I can have as much stuff as I want, but it's so that we can bring about that change that God called for us. You know, Chaz spoke this morning on influence. A larger life brings larger influence. It brings the ability to change. It brings the ability to, to speak into people's lives. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.